welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 281, the second Osceola turkey hunt of 2020. And I am your co-host and the guy who is sick and tired of seeing pictures and getting text messages from Cameron while he's on his turkey hunts and I'm not hunting. (laughs) (laughs) And I am your co-host and the culprit of those pictures and text messages. And I'm the guy who over this past weekend heard five shots ring out while hunting, but saw no flopping turkeys. (laughs) All right. Tell me more. I'm going to save it. I'm just going to leave everybody on a cliffhanger because I think we have some audio from one of these hunts. We're going to want people to hear, in my opinion, I would want to hear it because it was crazy. And so I'm going to save it for another day, but I just want y'all to know shots were fired in the state of Mississippi, but wasn't much fruit picked from the tree. Catch and release turkey hunting, man. I love it. It's the best sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, I think my little blurb about me needs no further explanation. Well, Andy, your time is coming, my friend. It is because we are two days, 12 hours, 43 minutes, and 56 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And we're now about 10 seconds closer than that to opening day of turkey season in Georgia, which is my next destination. Very nice. So we're opening up on the same day this year. I think typically Georgia opens a week after Alabama, right? But y'all season's delayed a hair. So last year was the first year that the state of Alabama moved our season start date to the third Saturday in March, which Mm -hmm. mirrors Georgia's opening day. Oh, okay. So y'all will be the same as Georgia going forward. Correct. And because typically Alabama was March 15th, March 15th every year. Yep. No matter what day. Yep. Okay. And personally, I love it. Yeah. I think that it's great on a couple of different levels. One of them is because in Georgia, turkey hunters don't take this the wrong way, but there's not any hunters coming from Georgia to hunt in Alabama because our season opens earlier than theirs. Mm-hmm. So fewer hunters in the woods. I kind of like that. 
And the other reason is because we're giving our toms an extra few days to breed. Mm-hmm. And I think that is extremely important based on a conversation we had with Wild Turkey Doc back, oh goodness, about a year ago. Yes, that is a very important part to wild turkeys flourishing that a lot of people don't consider. Yeah. And I think it's time for people to wake up and realize turkey hunting won't be very fun if we don't have many turkeys. Yeah. So, yeah. Wait and kill him a week later. It'll be all right. And I'm going to go ahead and just, I guess, invite the hate mail from all of the Alabama <laughs> turkey hunters who are listening to this and say, I wish the state of Alabama would move our start date to April 1. Yeah. I, Heck, that'd probably be the best thing they could do for the population because I know Alabama's population is not as strong as it used to be from what you've described yeah, and from what I experienced. So yeah. I'm sure that the state of Mississippi being right next to Alabama probably saw a pretty good influx of Alabamians this past weekend. I am sure they and, did. And one redneck Tennessean I know was down there. Yeah. <laughs> I am sure that they saw quite a few people because they have folks from Arkansas, Tennessee, mm. Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia. so Mississippi. North Florida. North Florida. Yeah. Is it, it, it's right. opening this weekend. The guy I was hunting with in Mississippi was from North Florida. So, I mean, I you know, that's one disadvantage to being the only state that opens at a time. You're going to get an influx of all those other people wanting to get a little kickstart to their weekend. Yes, indeed. So, Well, let's move on and get into a little housekeeping. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's run down the list. Item number one. I am sitting here looking at... Can you hear it? I can hear it. I am looking, what are you looking at... at <laughs> I'm going to show it. I'm going to put it in the microphone. Can you see it? I am looking at a Zinc Calls Thunder Ridge Series Slate that we are going to give away at the end of March to someone who joins the NWTF. Any one of you men or women listening who joins the NWTF and emails me your confirmation email that the NWTF is going to send you after you join them, you are automatically entered in the contest for the chance to win this turkey call. And I've got a few of them. I'm not going to tell you how many, but I'm really a little bit surprised at the number of entries that I have. But I'm going to tell you that you guys who are listening, if you'll go ahead and join the NWTF, if you're not already a member, and email me that confirmation email, just forward it to me, andy at imturkeyhunting.com. You are going to stand a very good chance of winning this call. So go ahead, join the NWTF, save some turkeys for future generations, and save our habitat for future generations as well, and stand a chance of winning this call. What is second on the list, Cameron? Second, we have the owl hooting contest that's currently going on. So... So we need some more submissions. We've gotten a few, and some of them been pretty good, but not many. So if you want a really high odds chance of winning a custom call built by a NWTF Hall of Famer and overall turkey hunting legend Preston Pittman 
one of one absolutely beautiful i haven't even seen it yet but i know it's going to be beautiful and probably sound just like a turkey if you want that we need owl hoots from you so put them on instagram put them on facebook put them out there tag on instagram at the godfather 49 or at the turkey hunter podcast on facebook you can send it to our facebook page which is the turkey hunter podcast and that's how you enter so we want to see your owl hoots and we were going to judge those winner will get this amazing call from preston Pittman, who so graciously offered it up so let's hear some owl hoots i know i'm ready to go do some owl hoots out in the woods again but i want to see you guys and see what your best natural voice owl hoot is that's another parameter we discussed it's going to be natural voice only no calls i like it and preston said that the retail value of that call is about 200 bucks. So that's a pretty good deal for what could be, what would you say, 10, 15 seconds of somebody's time? That's all you got to do. <laughs> and I guess two clicks of your thumb to post it. So yeah, maybe 10 seconds. So enter. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And... We're going to do this contest through the end of April. So Preston said he wanted to do it through the end of turkey season, but the end of turkey season is June 1 in Maine. So we're going to cut it off a little bit early, make it the end of April. And before we hit record on this, Cameron and I were talking, I've got two more turkey calls to give away, but we don't know exactly what we're going to do with those just yet. So these are the two contests we have going on right now. Enter both of them. I hope you win both of them. Yeah, absolutely. They're both easy to enter. I mean, joining the NWTF is a good thing to do anyway. It's Net out of your pocket going to be, what, 10 bucks because you get a Bass Pro gift card, I think, anyway. So do that. Shoot us an owl hoot. Win you two really good calls and go kill a bunch of gobblers next spring with them. Heck yeah. So I also would like to recognize, I noticed on Facebook that our good friend Eric and Tony, y'all commented on somebody's post on Facebook under Turkey Callers of America and recommended the Turkey Hunter podcast to them. So I would like to say thank you to both of y'all. You know who you are, and we truly appreciate that. Anything like that is really good for us and good for you because we're doing this for you guys. So it was um, flattering to see that, and I hope a lot of y'all are doing that, and uh, we'll continue to try to put out as good a content as we can get. So Yeah, and you know that, I I don't want to belabor this, topic a whole lot i do want to say thank you to them but that really is fuel for the fire for me and cameron to keep doing this you know if we don't hear from you guys that you're listening to the show that you enjoy a particular guest that you enjoy a particular topic then i don't know we don't know what to bring you i mean it it, what's next for us what can we give you that you want to hear if you don't let us know what you want to hear or what you like that you are hearing so all right i'm moving on from that i'm going to throw another one out there another announcement it's probably more of a confession <laughs> i know where this is edit. forgive me father for i have sinned i deleted a bunch right around 52, 53, 57, something like that 
of the free episodes of the Turkey Hunter podcast. I put a special announcement out in the feed, what I think that was Monday night, but I want to bring it up on the show because some of you may not have listened to that. Give me some time. I'm reposting those four, five, ten a day. Very, very soon I'll have all of them back up again. I'm not going to go into why I did it or how I did it. It's actually in the special announcement that I put out Monday. So my apologies to you guys. That'll be out very soon or be back out, I should say, very soon. And what is the next announcement, Cameron? And the last thing to just remind everyone, you can purchase this episode in its entirety without buying an annual subscription. So it's only 99 cents. What? When you hear the amount of calling and action taking place on this one, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you because we've recorded it already, the dive into why we did what we did after the hunt. Oh, it's good. Well worth 99 cents. Oh, it's good. It's so good. So I just want to remind you all that you can purchase this single episode you're going to go to theturkeyhunterpodcast.com. You're going to click on the episode ending in PS. That means premium single. You will pay your 99 cents and listen to the podcast. So you'll have the whole episode. And after you hear this one, you're going to be like, holy cow, I got to subscribe. And then we'll see you in our subscriber list and you'll become a member of the podcast family. So we're really looking forward to that. And you're going to like this episode, as well as last week's episode, which got deleted after a few days of being loaded. We have two really good live hunts for you already. I hope we bring you many, many more. I know we have a few more in the works already. Yes, we do. So it's going to be a really good season for y'all. I think I think the live hunts are going to be really fun for everyone because it puts you right there, man. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put you right there on the tree with us where you can hear what we're hearing because that's what turkey hunting is. It's all audio. Very cool. So we've talked a little bit about what we've got for everybody today with this hunt is there any need to discuss it anymore you just want to get in there and go with it i mean i think we need to intro our our guest a little bit don't we yeah let's jump on in there so today we've got john kellum he's a friend of mine that we met about a year ago and so we planned this turkey hunt together to go hunt turkeys in florida and we got him on the phone with us tonight and he's going to tell us why he did what he did and describe where we are and everything And me and him are going to try to put y'all on the tree with us in South Florida after we have killed our first Osceola and we're trying to get numero dos in this hunt. Mm -hmm. And as promised last week, this hunt's intense. I hope y'all enjoy it. Very cool. Listen in closely to this one and we'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I have on the phone with us tonight, John Kellum. He is a friend of mine that I went down to South Florida with, and you all heard him last week shoot possibly the first shell in South Florida at a wild Osceola gobbler. So, John, how are you, and where are you? I'm doing just fine, Cameron. I'm actually in Louisiana now, working, unfortunately, and wish I was out there turkey hunting, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, duty calls, I guess. Yeah, it does. It that, that that stuff always seems to get in the way of the fun stuff, you know, but we had a heck of a it way sure to start does. the season, so. We did, we did. Can't complain too much. Hey, John, thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here, Andy. Man, that trip you guys had, 
a couple of weeks ago sounded like a doozy of a time. I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to get down there and have some success. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we did quite well. Better than I would think, you know, for day one, certainly. So I'm not complaining. It was it was great. <laughs> yeah, We worked our butts off for it, but it, it was... Well, we sure did. Well rewarded on day one. That was uh, the hunt part came easy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So this is the first time you and I have talked, so I don't know anything about you how did you guys meet well we met on one of the turkey hunting forums can't recall which one it was but essentially i read a post from cameron saying how he wanted some uh, advice on hunting i believe some midwest states and i had former experience you know hunting those states and thought i could help him out just because i am a traveling turkey hunter as well and yeah i just went from there pretty much i hunted tennessee that year and had plans to run up there and you know he was very kind and helped me out there trying you know get a tennessee turkey you know unfortunately i did not shoot one but we had a fun experience yeah Uh, Yeah. that's pretty much how we met dang jake's ruined it yeah i had my blood pumping i thought you were about to get him but it turned out to be a mob of super jake's that's right so john he didn't take you to his honey hole is what you're telling me yeah pretty much that's what i'm thinking yeah i killed the gobbler (laughs) and saw those jakes in there and i was like hey i'll take him here so he knows i'm taking him somewhere turkeys are but he doesn't know that you know the gobbler's been killed yeah that's a turkey hunter for you (laughs) yeah i didn't do that because i promise you two weeks later i think i sent you the picture of the gobbler that we were after and he was a great turkey i mean i'm really sad you didn't get him but i was glad i got to do it the, the classic yeah. disguised gar hole. It's right. Classic disguised Never, gar hole. That's about typical. Can't put anything Cameron. past a turkey hunter. You can't put anything past it. No, no way. Well, cool. So, how long have you been turkey hunting? Well, I got started turkey hunting. I want to say around the age of eight. I wouldn't really call myself a, you know, I wasn't really a turkey hunter. I was a self-taught turkey hunter, pretty much around when I started at eight and started to kind of learn what to do probably around the age of 14, 15 and started to, you know, kill birds consistently and learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes. And when I turned 18, I started just traveling to other states to hunt, especially after Mississippi would close. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to continue to hunt and the obsession has just grown stronger and stronger every year. So very cool. It's pretty much. Mm Mm-hmm. I am 26. Okay. All right. Awesome. So self-taught turkey hunter at the age of eight. I don't believe I've met anyone who (laughs) was the age of eight who wanted to hunt so badly that they went out and pretty much jumped into it themselves. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, now I I say pretty much self-taught. I mean, of, of course, I have my dad to thank for getting me started. And the yeah. outdoors, taking me deer hunting and, and all of that. You know, he even tried to turkey hunt with me. He was not a turkey hunter, so he learned a, a little bit by my side as well. However, he, he didn't catch it quite as bad as I did. So, gotcha. Uh, he didn't yeah. quite as sick with the disease. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm afraid not. And, you know, I've met a couple of uh, older turkey hunters that would kind of, you know, try to i guess you could say help me out but they were pretty secretive guys i they they were pretty much a believer in you know letting the wild turkey teach you 
everything you needed to know. So they didn't really tell me too, too much. Hmm. So yes, I'm pretty much self-taught. I've never met a turkey hunter that way. Yeah. Every turkey hunter I've ever met's always been very forthcoming with information and, you know, really would draw you pictures out and say, well, you know, go sit against this tree and <laughs> the turkey's going to come in from this direction, make this call like this. It, no, that's not the right way to call. Call this way right here. And yeah, turkey hunters are very forthcoming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I wish uh, I had someone that would have taught me, you know, how to properly turkey hunt. It, I want to say it took me, oh, man, probably three or four years until I actually, I think, killed one. If yeah. I can recall, it's been yeah. so long. But, but yes, uh, yeah, pretty much self-taught. That's awesome. So we learned last week a little bit about the terrain, the habitat that you guys were in in South Florida. So this hunt that the two of you are going to take us through today happened how long after John squeezed the trigger? Uh, I'd say we celebrated for what, maybe 10 minutes of celebration, a few pictures. And then I would say when this audio began that we're going to play, I'd say, what, what do you think? Maybe 25, 30 minutes. I mean, it wasn't long, maybe 40. Yeah. I would, I would say you're, you're right. I mean, it may have been a little longer. I don't. I, well, no, it, it couldn't have been that much longer. I would say maybe 40 minutes. So it's pretty much John and I high-fived, hugged, went crazy for a little while, examined his turkey, and then we were like, let's go get another one. <laughs> and were, was the turkey that Cameron killed, was it gobbling the whole time that you guys were doing your celebration and chit-chatting and taking pictures and all that, or you'd heard it gobbling earlier in the morning and you just decided, hey, let's go in that direction? Well, that morning we heard multiple birds, and that group of turkeys proceeded to fly down and uh, started to move off, especially after we shot, you know, I guess further into the cypress swamps. And I want to say they were gobbling pretty consistently and just kind of walked out of hearing distance until we, uh, you know, went after them and we kind of had to track them through that swamp, call to them every now and then just so they could let us know where they were from what I can recall. Yeah, I remember they gobbled really well in the roost and we could hear them from where we were originally set up on John's turkey. Mm-hmm. And honestly, after John's turkey gobbled and flew down, they may have continued to gobble, but I don't even remember. I was so honed in on trying to kill that bird. Yeah. That, like, my senses of hearing were just gone from anything other than him. So, yeah. and then when we were celebrating and stuff, I don't know. They may have gobbled that whole time, but I don't remember hearing them gobble for maybe about a 30-minute span until we actually got to where we were trying to relocate them. Then we heard him gobble. So, okay. I, don't, I, I think maybe they went quiet for a little while. Either that or I just went completely numb because we had an Osceola turkey drumming right in front of us. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I know I can relate to that because I pretty well, when I get into that situation to where I'm thinking I'm going to get an opportunity to bird, I've got blinders on. So I can totally yeah. relate. You know, I could have a, somebody standing behind me with a bass drum beating it and I wouldn't even though they were yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, you know, the turkeys in front of me. So yeah. I, I was, it. I was calling and, you know, John was shooting at the bird that we, played last week and i mean i was listening for every cluck per maybe a hen or just 
steps in the leaves, you know, you're honed in on where you're, you're like almost targeting your ears to that area where the bird is. So, but we, we had heard these turkeys gobbling really hard on the roost. They gobbled a lot more than the one John killed. And so we were like, you know, after we kind of got back down off our hype, it was like, maybe we should go that way because they were over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you start moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. How far do you walk to get in the neighborhood of that turkey? What do you, what do you figure Cameron around a mile close to that? Yeah, I'd say we think we walked probably 400 yards and started listening for that group of turkeys again. Mm -hmm. And we heard them. We even called if I, if I recall right, the first time we stopped, we, we called and pretty delayed he gobbled way out there a good ways and so we started moving towards advancing towards him and it seemed as if they had their traveling pants on and the more we advanced the more they went away and right Mm -hmm. but they he was gobbling pretty consistently like every time we stopped to listen we wouldn't have to stop very long before he would gobble so that was nice he was kind of gobbling over his shoulder at us almost but Gobbling at you or gobbling at crows, gobbling on his own? What was he? I think all of the above. Okay. I mean, he did definitely gobble at us a couple of times. Don't you think, John? Yeah, he, he did. A matter, matter of fact, the first time I, I kind of kikied at him, he, he shot gobble to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes if uh, I have a turkey that does that, that's kind of going the other way and hens are leading him, I'll uh, kiki if he's gone quiet for a while just to give him the shot gobble. And normally that can work yeah so what seemed like happened to me at least was we kind of were chasing the flock and i mean we were being pretty cautious but we were moving pretty quickly because we could tell they were also moving quickly Mm -hmm. and it seemed like they were headed somewhere and then finally it was as if they hit like where the the spot they wanted to be was and it was kind of a real real open cypress swamp i mean the whole thing was very open kind of What'd you say? A little over shin high grass, maybe, John? I mean, it's pretty tall. Yeah, I say you're exactly right. Yeah, a little like shin high green grass with cypress knees everywhere out throughout it. And the trees were actually like pretty far apart. I mean, they weren't thick by any means. So it was as if they went out into this area and were kind of, it's like, I guess I feel like it was kind of the Osceola's version of like his strut zone field where the hens are feeding around him, but it's still in the woods. So we hit this point, and we heard, that's when we heard the hen, right, John? Was that the first time we heard the hen yelping? Like when we stopped right there before we got to that opening? Yeah, we, we did. As we uh, closed the distance, we definitely started hearing those hens with that with that gobbler. I mean, later we, of course, found out there was more than one gobbler, but yeah, yeah. there's definitely some hens. Well, and the first time there. we heard... The hen sounded so horrible the first time she yelped that we kind of sat there and were like, uh-oh, somebody else is in here. <laughs> yeah. And we got kind of nervous about that. We're like, ugh. And so we waited, and she yelped again, and both of us were like, I've never heard a human yelp with that kind of cadence. Like, that right. sounded too much like a turkey you know even though it kind of was squawky but like i don't a box call slate call mouth call i've never been able to hear anybody make the sound that was made there so we're like i think that's a real hen so that kind of right. eased our minds on that so when you first heard that hen you thought andy's here yeah andy tracked us all the <laughs> way down here and he beat us in here 
Yeah. That's right. Uh, but then we heard it, and yeah. we're like, well, that sounds way too good to be Andy. It's got to be yeah. real. Uh, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> All right. So what next? Kind of walk us walk us through at this point. I guess carry us up to that point to where, and Cameron knows, but where Cameron hits record on the player. Yeah. The recorder. So we approached the clearing, and we had our discussion about whether this was a real hen or a hunter. Decided it was a hen. Turkey gobbled, I think, a couple of times while we we're sitting there. And at this point, we had called to him from a long ways off, but we had not called to him from this position yet. Mm-hmm. Right? We never called to him while we were standing there, did we, John? No, we did not. Okay. So we decide it's so open that it was like, all right, this is this is where he's going to have to, like, if we walk out in this, they're going to see us. So, like, right. they, our um, only, yeah. Uh, pretty much stopped where, where that opening was, you know, looking at our uh, maps on our phone, a pretty good little opening, and they pretty much held up there and started to, you know, continue to do their thing as we were listening to them and thought, you know, this is, we need to set up now. Yeah. Once we, yeah. There wasn't much option say, else, I would say, other than setting yeah. up where we did. Like, there was nowhere else to go. <laughs> Right, right, yeah, yeah. So John, you know, he had killed his turkey, so then we just put, we pretty much flipped what we had done that morning. John set up kind of back where it was thick still, and I kind of crawled out into the open area and found a cypress tree that, how far apart were we, John? I, I, I thought we were probably 35, 40 yards maybe. Yeah, I would say about that. Yeah, so he's 40 yards behind me. I'm out in kind of the opening, and then the turkeys... When you originally cranked up, I'd say they were 150, 200 yards almost. I mean, they, they weren't exactly right in our lap at that point. Right. So, but that there was, was kind of no getting. There was no getting any closer to them without getting busted. I didn't busted, think so. Felt like okay. I mean, I don't. Do you think we could have got? I don't think we could have gone any closer. Do you, John? No, I, I don't think we could have. They would have definitely seen us if we would have gotten any closer. Because it was thick leading up to this point like we could have gotten right on top of them if they were in the area we've walked through but then it just like all of a sudden opened up and it was like okay this is this this is it right (laughs) if we walk out in this you know just walking out in it they're gonna be seeing us easily did you did either of you pull up on x at that point look at the satellite map to determine that that was more open or could you distinguish that it was more open and looking at anything satellite wise i mean we could just see yeah. <laughs> with our eyes how open it was yeah but and, uh, yeah. so you knew it was open for a while that you know it was a uh, yeah. large I mean, open area we could see almost to like probably where the turkeys were but okay. they i think they were there was like a little dip where like a little branch of a creek or something ran off it was like a little flat area and i think they were down a little bit okay so it, it, like a little pond almost i don't know so we couldn't see them but like it was like they're right out there in the open one of those like cypress heads you know what i mean yeah okay and is so, that where we pick up on the recording yeah, yeah so at the point the recording begins john i had gotten set up and as soon as i sat down i hit record you hear a bunch of rustling and about immediately, John, who's behind me, starts calling. And don't get it confused with a real hen, because the boy can call. So <laughs> this was my first time hearing John like hardly call at all, because we had just scouted the day before, and I would called the bird at first. 
I'd heard us, we did a little practice sessions in the car, you know, messing around, but it was my first time hearing him live. So I was like, I hope, you know, hope he's good. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely exceeded expectation. So this, this audio is absolutely sick. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Well, I want to hear it. All right. Well, so we're going to play it for you. And unlike last week, let's, this one's not a very long piece of audio, not to give anything away, but, uh, it's action packed and I want you to, to notice how realistic the calling from John sounds because you can compare it directly to the hen who's yelping back to him. You can compare them and they sound, the cadences are exactly alike almost. So just notice that and then tune in. We're not going to cut in through this. This is the whole hunt. We're going to play the whole thing right here and then we're going to see you guys on the other side. And we're going to discuss what decisions were made, why things happened the way they did. And so we'll see y'all on the other side. All right, we'll set up on another group of turkeys. That's John. John's calling to another hand. I got a bunch of
All right. So I hope y'all enjoyed that as much as I have because I've probably listened to it ten times. Have you have you been replaying it constantly, John? Oh my goodness, every every day. <laughs> <laughs> I can still yeah. see him. I can still see those two gobblers coming through that grass because it's kind of tall so you can't see them till they're right on top of you and then you just see that head moving through the grass i mean i can just see it and the first thing i saw you called that last time you hear the turkey gobble in the audio that was when i saw him because his head i just saw that white head come throwing out of the grass and i was like holy cow here he here he comes so i you can definitely hear my breathing pick up as well i was about to pass out (laughs) oh man so as everyone heard, John Kellum is one heck of a key keyer. I mean, that is, that's impressive, man. How do you, I mean, first question I have is how do you do that? I mean, what call are you using? Where are you blowing the air through that call? I mean, I, I think after people hear that audio, they're going to be wanting to practice their key key. <laughs> uh, John, John, before you answer that, I'm going to mute Cameron for a second. It's just going to be me and you talking. You should tell him. <laughs> that you'll be glad to give him some kiki lessons if he'll take you to his real honey hole in Tennessee and not gar hole. Oh, my God. Ah, that's an excellent idea. I totally <laughs> did not gar hole him. I was trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. I mean, you can't, you can't kill one every time you go out, but I, I tried my best to put him on the, on the bird, but it was Jake's had us. All right, so, yeah. John, I guess... Give him a legit answer to to his question. Forgot to mute me. Well, so for what I use to replicate the Kiki is a ghost cut diaphragm. For me, that works the best. The way I channel my air, I guess, is straight down the middle. So a ghost cut is what I use 99% of the time. I've experimented with other cuts over the years. I can call on them decent but that ghost cut boy that's that i can do pretty much everything including a really nice key oh uh, yeah (laughs) yeah thank you thank you yeah as far as getting that sound just lots of practice pretty much all i can say just relentless practice about a i want to say throughout the years i always would practice on my calling a lot to get to the point that i am now and as a matter of fact, I'm so confident in my calling that I don't know if I told Cameron this or not, but I literally did not put a diaphragm in my mouth until oh, the day before season just to kind of, you know, get familiar with the call again. So, wow. yeah, it's just one of those things when you get it, in my opinion, you got it. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, for me, it's a matter of fighting the urge. Yeah. yeah, I I just yeah. like running a call and and hearing some sound. So, but but I truly need the practice. Cameron doesn't. Obviously, you don't. So, you know, for, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in a little bit different boat. But yeah, I it, it's something I do that helps to get me even more fired up. So, but that's right. cool. That's cool. And <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I've just been really this year working a ghost cut and and really learning how to run that call and I am because I've always run a split V and I have been blown away by the versatility of the ghost cut and how once you figure out how to run that call how you can really get a beautiful two-note yelp all the whistles all the whines I mean everything with that call it's it's awesome right right yeah it's a good one for sure 
I believe it's primarily a lot of people, I want to say, use it in the fall to specifically kiki on. It, the kiki will come mm-hmm. a little bit easier on a ghost cut, they say. So, yes, I mean, even if you just want to learn how to replicate just that sound alone, uh, you know, a ghost cut, I want to say, would very much help you. Even if, you know, you say you use a split V yourself, I think you can totally get that sound a lot easier with uh, a ghost cut. Yeah. And do you, we're going to, we're going to talk specifically about that hunt here in a second, but I just want to pick your brain a little bit more about that kiki. So do you typically kiki early season or are you going to kiki even up until, you know, hunting other states in May, you know, late season kind of thing? Uh, So I primarily use that kiki early season. I've tried to use it late season and don't have much success really at all with it i'll use it as a locator call just because it's so high pitched and abrupt i guess you know a gobbler can shock gobble to it but early season i find that it works better my reasoning i would guess for that is you know the turkeys are generally pretty flocked up early season yeah usually dealing with a ton of hens and again they say that that kiki can trigger that instinct I guess that motherly instinct in that hen, and she'll, I guess, want to come and check you out when she hears that. That's not always the case, but, you know, it, it can sure work when it works. I'll also add that, you know, the kiki is, in my opinion, it's not really, a, I would say, an aggressive call. When you're trying to initiate a conversation with that hen, you'll have a, a lot of hunters early season that, you know, once they hear a hen, and it works, will, you know, get really aggressive with that hen as soon as they hear one. And that can work, sure, especially if she's answering back at you and getting aggressive and her intensity level is, you know, right there as you're calling to her. However, and I'm sure you've had this happen before too, you know, a hen will hear you talking all aggressive and you just light her up and she can fly down and go the other way or just avoid you. Mm-hmm. My thinking is, you know, you use that key key just kind of to, to test her out kind of you know depending on what she says back to me if she starts to first of all first off answer me i kind of use that key key to to gauge that gauge her intensity and then i'll try and work it up by you know yelping back behind that doing a key key run kind of trying to tell her i'm a lost hen you know i'm not a hen Mm -hmm. trying to encroach on your you know your territory or whatever but i'm just i'm a lost hen you know and and the key key can generate a lot of excitement you know birds use it in the fall young birds and, you know, they're very, very loud in the fall. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have, you know, gone deer hunting or something like that in the fall, busted up a flock of turkeys, and they made a whole bunch of racket, kikiing and whatnot, and all coming back together. So, again, that kiki, for all those reasons, I just think it's a good call to use early season to try and get that intensity of that hen up a notch. And I feel it's a very safe call to use. And, yeah, the gobblers sure do like it. They like that, I guess, that high pitch with yeah. the sound. You know, they usually like it. But th- that's the reason I pretty much stick to it early season. And yeah. uh, it's worked well for me. I like that explanation yeah. a lot because in that hunt we just listened to, you can hear the, as you said, it escalating up a notch and it just continues <laughs> to escalate. And they're like, before they came running by and I shot one, that last part, I mean, it, it's fully escalated. Things have gotten loud. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So and, was... uh, you know, 
Yeah, that morning the turkeys were very active too. You know, that was uh, absolutely they were really really active. So again, that's a, that kiki can be really deadly there if they're making just a lot of racket. You know, kiki and get a little loud. You know, if they're if they're loud. You know, you just kind of play it by ear. You know, if birds are relatively quiet, not doing much, I'll still kiki at them. But if they don't really get very excited in response to that, I usually kind of just lay off. You know, and just try and do something else. But yeah, you can hear it in that audio clip that uh you know once that hen was answering me back and her intensity level was kind of rising i started to you know kick it up a notch i'd cut i want to say i guess at the two three minute mark in that audio uh mm-hmm. cut at her a little bit and try and you know get get her even more excited and also try and get that gobbler excited you'll notice i try not to answer that gobbler at first when i'm calling i'm just trying to talk to the hen I don't care about the gobbler. I'm just trying to have a conversation with the hen. Yeah, he'll shock gobble to me when I kiki, but I'm not trying to answer him. I'm trying to work on that hen. Once I got her pretty much committed to where I I was comfortable, she was going to come and check me out because she went silent on me. I did too, just like you're working a gobbler. And when he goes, you know, typically when they're quiet, usually, you know, they're more than likely on their way to you. Well, once I heard that, I kind of toned it down. And once she started back up again with her calling – and I noticed she was closer. I did the kind of the same thing, mimicked her at that point. Then I started to cut. Gobbler answered me, to, and uh, again, I followed up with more cuts and tried to raise his intensity level as well and get him really excited. So, yes, I mean, that's pretty much the, the gist of it right there, I guess, Yeah. if I'm explaining that good enough. You, you definitely raised the gobbler's oh, yeah. intensity level because, like, just to give y'all from my perspective, I see the hen has approached to 75 yards and the gobblers are right behind her and she's leading the charge coming to us. And then all of a sudden, imagine if somebody yelled fire in the building and, and so you run by and start shoving people to get out. The gobblers ran by that hen and just like pushed her out of the way, like, get out of the way, we're going to this hen. <laughs> and... I mean, she was chopped liver at that point, and the gobblers just start leading the charge. I mean, they are, like, their heads got fully white. I mean, they were coming in, like, get out of the way, nothing's stopping us, until he ran into a <laughs> shot of number fives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you had them very uh, convinced that there was a, a hen right there that they were wanting to get to know. Right, right, yeah. From what you told me, you know, you, you had a better view of them than I did. It seemed like those gobblers just ran straight past. Uh, oh, I'm hand. telling you, they, like, she was <laughs> over there with her face in the dirt. Like, they just ran by and pushed her down and were like, get out of the way. We're going over here. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was the craziest thing. I, I, I mean, usually the hen has to come. I was expecting, like, the hen's going to come, you know, however many hens it is, they're going to come by. <laughs> And the gobbler's going to be in the very back, you know, strutting. And so I'm going to have to be super still. And then all of a sudden, the gobblers just, like, run over the hen and are just like, let's go, like, charge. And I'm sitting there like, holy crap, I'm about to pass out. And then you hear me on there like, <sighs> and then I blast him. <laughs> How far was he when you shot, Cameron? What we say is like 21 yards, 22 yards, John? Yeah, 20, 21 yards. Uh... You range finded it when we after we had shot him. Yeah. I did. That that was lasered yards, uh, 21 yeah. yards. So I had to make yeah. a long shot compared to John's. He, he shot yeah. his like 13. So. <laughs> I'm kind of like John. I like to get him in real close so I can shoot multiple times, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. And how many how many toms were there? 
Total I saw two part. for sure. I shot the okay. front gobbler as soon as he presented an opportunity. I'm not going to sit there and take the time to study them. They were coming by so fast. So I shot the front gobbler and killed him. And then we started, John, you started like cutting and I started fight purring just to like kind of calm him back down. And, and you didn't know if I'd killed him or missed him. Yeah. When After you shot, you just, you know, you were just motionless for a minute there and just kind of, you know, not, not getting up to go run, run over there to get him. And I was like, Oh my goodness, did he miss? And, and, you know, usually when I'm, whenever I'm hunting with somebody and, you know, especially on when I'm calling, I always try to, you know, just straight go into aggressive purring just to, you know, my shooter just misses and hopefully get another yeah. shot. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did the him. same thing that morning. Yeah. I just, when I shot him, I saw that my wad pretty much went through his eyes, and I was like, I don't think he's going to go anywhere carrying that load, so I'm just going to stay seated and try not to freak this other gobbler out too much because he stuck around for a little while. I mean, the gobbler was kind of freaked out, and he ended up easing off, but he wasn't, like, flying off or anything. And then, was it four or five jakes came up and were just, like, enamored with the flopping gobbler. Like, they did not know what to think of that and the fight purring and cutting going on. So that was a pretty cool experience too. It just was all amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Did the hens stick around after the shot? I never they... even saw the hens after the gobbler shoved her out of the way. Like, I think she was so offended okay. that she probably <laughs> like gave him the middle feather and just headed out. I mean, she I, don't, I, I mean, she sounded pretty bad when we heard her the first time. She sounded better there at the end, but I just yeah. like... I imagine it as if like these two gobblers are hanging out with her at the bar and then all of a sudden a much better good looking Kiki and girl comes in and they're like, Oh, sorry, baby. Uh, if you don't mind getting out of the way, we're going to go talk to this young lady. And that's what got them in trouble. They heard John over there and it just got them in trouble. They, they should have stuck with what they had. All of you young men listening, <laughs> that will get you in trouble every single time. You can learn from this gobbler's mistake. <laughs> Yes. So, John, what when you sat down, you explained this to me after we hunted, and you explained a lot of it right then in that part, but when we sat down and you analyzed the situation, all right, hen is calling and there's gobblers with her, what was your, the way your brain worked to think, you know, these are the calls I'm going to make, and then, like, why did you react with calls you did the way? I know you just kind of went through some of that, but I want you to kind of take a more in-depth look at, like, why did you call that way? Like, when, at what point are you like, I should kiki to these turkeys, or I should cut at these turkeys? You know that kind of thing. Well, I would like to say that you know, that, again, the birds were just—they were just so vocal that morning, even well after fly down. And you know, uh, again, that's how we were able to mm-hmm. track them through that swamp and and get on them was just because they were for the most part, pretty vocal. And, you know, that kiki, I, I, I love to use it, especially if I'm dealing with very vocal turkeys, you know, gobbler, a hen cutting up. I find it it just works really well just because I, I feel like that call generates excitement. You know, it's an excitement mm-hmm. call. But at the same time, it's not, you know, too too aggressive, I should say, like cutting. If you were to just, you know, cut at a hen really, really hard and just, you know, let that let that hen know you want to join the flock or, or better yet you know you want them to come over to you to find you because remember i mean that, that kiki you're it's essentially it's a lost call you're trying to tell all the other turkeys i'm lost come come and find me yeah and when you're using it you know on a, on a very vocal hen like that uh, yeah it can it can really help 
far as cutting, again, I I generally like to, you know, cut at a hen at that intensity level, you know, I, I would say. You know, I, I rarely just, me personally, straight, just go into cutting at a hen. I usually always try to kind of test them out with, you know, lighter yelp, something like that, and just to kind of dictate what, I, what I'm going to do. But I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I was going to ask you, you know, you, you weren't able to come on for the hunt last week, but you're on this week. So is there anything right. between these two hunts that you would like to point out as a, you know, a good learning point, or did you learn anything new from these two hunts or was there anything in particular you'd be like, man, somebody, I hope somebody noticed this, you know, that kind of thing. Was there anything from these two hunts that you think like were pretty cool to you at least? Yeah, I would say, you know, try to really pay attention and learn from the situation that's going on at hand. I, I know when I shot my bird, you know, as we were reading that situation and we were 50 yards apart, uh, he wasn't doing a lot of gobbling and he did a great job just, you know, kind of doing the same thing, just kind of trying to see where he was at with his intensity level, his emotion mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, injected calling right when you needed to. I, I kind of did the same thing. You know, I, I caught an awful lot. Normally, I don't really do do that. But if they're, you know, pretty loud, I'm going to try and match that intensity level as well. So try and just read the situation, trying to be patient there and just listen to the turkeys talk, what they're trying to yeah. say, and then, uh, you know, respond back the best way you know how. Yeah. What, what was so cool to me is with the two hunts were just the almost opposite of each other. The first bird was right. the subdominant bird. He's real kind of shy, doesn't want to draw a bunch of attention to himself, and we were able to kill him. And then we turned around, and within 30 minutes, we changed our game plan to, all right, we got some loud mouths, like boss daddies out here with a hen, and you read them just right and told them exactly what they needed to hear, and we killed them. You know, I mean, that is right. that's so cool to me that, like, that just shows we, we read the situation right in those two parts. I don't always do that. You probably don't always do that. Nobody ever reads it perfectly but we did everything right that morning to kill turkeys yeah yeah i would i would say so yeah andy you have any other points you want to make or questions about from john or myself regarding this hunt i don't i think that it sounds like you guys had a awesome hunt and an awesome trip and you know i hate that i couldn't be there in person to experience it but i'm glad that we've got the audio to Mm -hmm. go back and listen to and have you guys on the show to to kind of walk us through your experience there and and teach us a little bit of something. So, you know, I think there's some great information in this episode for people that maybe don't use that kiki when they're hunting in the spring. And, you know, I think, John, you describing how you use it when you use it is helpful. And I think that there's going to be quite a few people that are going to try that out this spring and have some success with it. So thank you for that. Good deal. Yeah, you're you're welcome. Glad you uh, had me on. And yeah, oh, glad yeah. to have you on. I hope we have you on hundreds more times with successful turkey hunts with me, especially. <laughs> oh yeah, that would that would be nice. Yeah, I'm waiting for that other invite up to Tennessee. Well, whenever yeah. you're ready. Those Jakes are two year olds now, so they're they're oh, in there boy. still. We'll have to go get him. That's right. Well, it's good talking to you, John. I know the listeners will definitely appreciate that information because they got to see the kiki used in a spring situation, got to see that it works, 
and got to hear why you used it, when to use it. So there's another tool in your bag, folks. So thanks, John. Good talking to you as always, yeah. Andy. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Cameron, too. And yeah, I enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. So Absolutely. I'm sure listeners enjoyed it, too. All right. See y'all. All right. Good luck the rest of the season, John. Slay some birds. I sure will, Andy. You too. All right, buddy. Thanks. Goodbye. What do you say after a, a hunt and a story like that? Oh, man. All I know is that feeling when you know he's coming and he's gobbled and you can see him coming and you heard my breath kind of picking up there. I mean, if I ever lose that, I'm not. I'm just probably not going to go anymore, man. But I don't think there's any way I'm going to lose it. It just gets worse and worse every year. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me a little bit of that hunt that I had from a couple of years ago where I had the turkey come off the roost and land literally yeah. <laughs> inches from my boot where you could hear my yeah. heart going, thump, 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 Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, when it's not your heart, it's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when your heart's jumping out of your chest and trying to, half of it's jumping out of your chest and the other half's climbing out of your throat, it's a little bit unnerving. But yeah, it, just like that, I mean, I was, you could hear me on there just, <sighs> then you hear me just at one point go, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just almost overwhelming. I, I can't. If I could just do that every freaking day, I, I that's all I need. I mean, it was amazing. So it was an awesome hunt. I know Florida for me has always been kind of intimidating because it's the only place that has an Osceola. So I've just always been kind of intimidated by it, thinking I would need a guide, and we went and got it done. But I tell you what, there was more people down there hunting that south florida area than i've ever seen so you didn't get to experience all that part of it but i'm letting you know you ain't gonna be alone if you go down there <laughs> yeah there's it's crazy so i know a lot of the videos you see these days make it look pretty easy to just hop on down to florida and kill turkeys and i i get it we got down there and on day one had a double i mean it was unbelievable but we hunted for two more days and did not hear see or find any turkey sign so we just that scouting day we had that was the key if we hadn't gone down there and scouted for a day i don't i don't know how it would have gone but i think that was a big key to everything yeah definitely so yeah, you we got that hunt you can't put a price on the time spent scouting that's for sure no definitely not i think it's very important as you said last week that's kind of the hunt for you that that's a big part of it at least is you have to get out there and get boots on the ground and that whole process of getting from that starting point where you pick a place and start map scouting to getting boots on the ground to getting finding turkeys and then actually killing him that's the whole deal mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a long process and i mean we put in some serious work for that hunt and it paid off i mean it was it was awesome and they were that turkey i shot especially he was a big dude i mean he had inch and a quarter spurs but those birds down there don't weigh very much he only weighed 14 and a half pounds i think and had really black wings like a true osceola so that was pretty neat yeah very cool well thank you again for taking me and the listeners on that hunt with you yeah I absolutely i think next week we have scott's hunt don't we we do yeah so i don't we'll know have if scott knows that he's coming on between now and next <laughs> week but when he listens to this hunt, he, he'll know he's coming on 
next yeah, week. Yeah, so Scott took a youth and got it done, so we're going to have him on here with his youth hunt. That's going to be awesome. And then I know we have some more audio where you're going to have to turn down the volume in your truck or you're going to be deafened <laughs> by a gobble. So I'm just letting you know. Uh, <laughs> we got some close proximity gobbling coming after next week's hunt. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Good stuff, man. Well, fantastic. Well, Anything yeah. else we need to cover or talk about today? I think that's all I got for them. I hope everybody's enjoying these live hunts. I know I am, and I hope you learn a lot, and I hope I can bring you some Georgia magic after this weekend. Yes, indeed. And some Alabama magic from Andy would be a nice touch as well. Yeah, I guess I'll figure out if my practice on that ghost cut call has helped me any, and see if I can find a turkey calling judge that likes the sound of my calls. So we'll find out. Sounds good, man. Well... I'll talk to you next week. I think we got a good one. Yeah, me too. So, hey, before we let you go, do us a favor this week and go pick up the post for this week's show on social media. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Hunting, and share and like that post for us. If you would do that, that would be huge. On Twitter, the post is going to be on my personal feed, which is at TurkeyHitman. So on Twitter, if you'll go pull up my personal feed and share and like the post for this week's show, that is huge. It really gets the show out in front of more people and more people listening to the show helps us to keep going. You know, we yeah. we don't want to do the show if nobody's listening. So if you want we need to, people listening to make us want to do it and to incentivize guests that we have to come on the show. If absolutely nobody's listening, nobody's gonna take an hour out of their day to come talk to us about turkeys for us to blast it out to four people. So Yeah, with me and you being two of them. Yeah, exactly. And then and our, our moms, moms will probably be <laughs> <laughs> We both thought the same thing. <laughs> Oh, man. Yes, indeed. So if you'll do that, that'd be huge for me and Cameron. We'd greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. And so, Absolutely. And we appreciate everyone who has done that. Yes. And I know I mentioned, too, that I saw, and I know there's plenty others, but there are. as I see that, I'm going to call you out and let you know that we appreciate it. So y'all have a good week this week. Stay safe. Stay well. Hope you kill some turkeys if your season's open. Good luck. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.